Welcome to Pop Culture Federation. the pop culture federation podcast i'm mikey and this is part two of my interview with perk and thank you for you know thank you for doing this interview absolutely um so if you listen to part one we learned about the origins we heard some uh some nostalgic facts about fgc pop culture from back in the 90s and early 2000s kind of like what we did back in the day um what everybody did rather but for this part two, I want to talk to Perk about content creation, stuff that he's working on now. Um, kind of we talked about how things evolve now that the internet is a big deal, it's a big thing. So when did you realize that you can make the switch from a fan and a player into someone who's going to produce content for the community? So I know YouTube... You did some stuff for YouTube, you did some stuff for Twitch, but when did you first realize, like, hey, I could do this? Um, Honestly, it was probably, it's a funny story, it was probably around 2015 um, that I originally made a YouTube and stuff like that, um, but it was for a different game. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Destiny, it's a first-person shooter, kind of a spiritual successor to um, the Halo franchise. And uh, I was just obsessed with the game, it's like an action RPG, but also kind of like a first-person shooter as well. Um, and just the obsession and the different amount of complexity that had with the different weapons and stuff in the game. Uh, I started making YouTube talking about different builds that you can have, different things like that. Um, and after I realized that I didn't really want to keep making content for that game, I thought about what I was doing and I was just talking about combos and, and different fundamentals just in for a different game. So after I'd gotten out of that and kind of re-got back in touch with my roots of fighting games, I had always played, um, but when Street Fighter V came out in 2016, the following year, uh, I fell in love with that game. And that that was one of the games that really made me want to push to be better. Um, just from just from a, almost like, I would, I would say, a casual competitor perspective, uh, I wanted to be a part. I wanted to, you know, go to tournaments... I uh, had the fortune, you know, to be local to uh, East Coast Throwdown, which was a local major. Uh, and I remember going in years past and having a blast. Street Fighter Five was new. It was fresh. Everybody was playing it. Um, and I wanted to go. And I wanted to participate. And I saw that there were some great streams and stuff going on for Street Fighter. Um, but a lot, of, uh, a lot of my friends, you know, you included, I almost felt like it was there was just not enough content available that I can say... Hey, you know, watch this. This this video will give you what you need to know to kind of get into being a fighting game, you know, you know, player, uh, and taking it a little bit more seriously. Because there's a lot. It's very much like an onion, to use that analogy. There's a lot. There's a lot of layers to it. You know, learning how to control a character is different than, hey, when they have you in the corner, and your back's against the wall, and you have this much health, but you have this much meter. You want to be able to do something called an option select, which is when the game gives you the benefit of inputting one set of inputs, but you're getting two possible outcomes. There's a lot of different, you know, variables and, and stuff to it. So I wanted to make a channel uh, and find, you know, find a way to help new players understand the basics. And then simultaneously, because the Pro Tours were so fun and I had such a blast watching them on streams, uh, I wanted to kind of recap them because nobody was really doing anything like a, a sports center recap catching you up. Like, you know, you miss the games. Here's what happened. Here's the standings. This is what's going on. You have this one going over here. You know, we're going international for the first time. You know, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, the list goes on. But uh, I wanted to bridge the gap between somebody who just knows nothing but likes fighting games and who wanted to get more into them. I know. I really like the top eight and eight. Uh, it, like I mentioned, part one, it's very hard on, because there's no website anymore that posts everything. Um, yeah. It's not like was back then, back in the day. Um, where everybody had their site and on Twitter, the Capcom Twitter, no offense, not that great. Um, so if you're not following somebody like a Justin Wong or K Brad, it's, you don't know who's, who's on top. Yeah. There's, um, a, there's a lot of information that's, it kind of gets scrambled around and is, is hard to kind of piece together and, and figure things out. Right. Exactly. So, um, I know when you started streaming, 
Um, you got a pretty good following going on for somebody who just started. I I kind of got lucky. I feel like I I definitely was I I got hit the ground running with the stream, uh, which I started in 2017. Uh, and I went and I was just like, you know what? Uh, I don't know anything about streaming. Really, this is my first time doing it. I was actually, funny enough, I got started creating content for Destiny. Got out of it. Then got into it. And the reason that I started streaming Street Fighter was because I wanted to kind of get my chops ready for, for when Destiny 2 came out that fall, 2017. So Destiny is kind of the parentheses around <laughs> me creating content, so to speak. And I ended up not really making anything for Destiny, but uh, it was just a jumping off point, both separate times for YouTube and for streaming, interestingly enough. Hey, it worked out. It worked it, out. It kind of, it, it taught me what I liked and what I didn't like and what I wanted to do and what was fun and what wasn't fun. Because so. there's a lot of people doing stuff for Destiny. It's, there's a ton. There's a ton of great stuff. Um, unfortunately, with a game like Destiny, and, and this is kind of the hard part for it, is there's a lot of depth and a lot of stuff that you can do in the game, but the game and the community's enjoyment almost always centers on if there's new content coming out for it, what's around the corner, what's coming, what challenges we can do, whereas a fighting game, there's always somebody playing it. There's always somebody learning some combo, there's always somebody playing a crazy set or having a crazy comeback. It's, it's stable, it's always there. From, you know, I see clips in my Twitter feed all the time of Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 2, like crazy interactions that, you know, if, if we could have shown the stuff that went on in the old arcade days, like it would be insane. But you see some of that stuff and it's, it's relevant, it's retro, and it's the future all at the same time. I know that's a weird concept to kind of apply to gaming because games is just, you know, whatever the game is, whatever the meta is. Uh, but I think that's one of the big attractions for me with fighting games. Is kind of that that feeling. You do see stuff from time to time. MVC two, CBS. We're getting Marvel vs. Capcom two Invitational this year at Evo. Yeah, so, so it's, it's it's still around. That so one of the things. Um, speaking of that, when uh, an episode that hasn't aired yet, we we did. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's we, it's a part of the favorite series that we have. We pick uh, Ron picks a name, like a random name. Okay. And we would go for like the our favorite people of that name in pop culture. So the first one we did was Jeff's. Okay. So that's up. That's up. The second one we did is Jeff Goldblum. Everybody's favorite. Jeff Goldblum was like the universal one. Okay. Good. Everybody. I had right, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Classic. As one, I had Jeff Hardy and I had Jeff Bezos. That's fair. Oh, interesting. You kind of have a you have a, a three you have a three D picture of uh, different Jeffs there. Because Jeff Bezos, like I mean, like yeah, he's pretty big in pop culture. He's, he's relevant. The richest man in the world. He's relevant. Um, sure. the one that we did that hasn't aired yet is Famous Kelly's. Okay. There's not a lot. I was going to say, you, you, some of those topics you can definitely get some narrowed down kind of perspective on, on who's a Kelly. If you want, like, Civil War General, uh, true. Kelly somebody. like That's true. Okay, so it's last sure. name or first name. So, originally we did just first name, and then, like, for the Jeffs, but for Kelly's was, like, we had to go to fictional characters at some point. It's fair. Because it's first fair. name Kelly, we did last name Kelly. So one of my Kellys was Sanford Kelly. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Right. So, and he has got an invitation to MVC 2. He did. He is an East Coast Marvel 2 legend, for uh, sure. And I listened to the No Frills with him. and Pick a top um, tier. That's so, the motto. Pick so, a top tier. Exactly. So when I, when I mentioned this to Matt and Ron, they're like, who is that? And yeah, I was like, interesting. Because they know Daigo. They know Justin Wong. Okay. Like anybody who's like knows something about the game community, the competitive scene. Like Justin Wong really, I think, transcended a lot. He so did. Daigo did too. If you even my friends are just like kind of like they'll watch on ESPN, they'll watch Evo. They don't know anything about it. They don't watch it throughout the year, but they know Evo. They're like, oh, Daigo won. Okay. They're like, you know, so they they know that. I also love the perspective of people that are like, I do nothing, but I watch Evo and it's dope. And here's what I'm telling you about it. Those are some of my favorite conversations to have with people because it's so it's so interesting to me with the amount of content and information that I take in about the fighting community to see through the pinhole of the fence across the street of somebody who's kind of just peering in is really really fascinating for me to see kind of those like those little bits. But God, well that's why I picked Sanford Kelly because it's like you know definitely Marvel legend. A new one. Yeah, he's for, in, for a lot of people they're not gonna know he's in the bracket. Yes, uh, he I think 
I don't know if they've announced everybody yet as of now. I know there was only four. They haven't. Check. They've only announced four. Uh, Ducto, Justin Wong, Sanford Kelly, and Yipes. Yeah. So anybody could win this one. There's like no clear favorite. I mean, I think Jay Wong might have it, but I don't know. Honestly, I kind of want to see Jay Wong versus Yipes in the finals. That's, really? that's my pick. I want. I just want to see one of them in the finals. Jay Wong versus Sanford Kelly. That's a, that's a, that's a rivalry. It is a rivalry, but the problem with that is they know each other's characters so well. This is my, and we could go on a whole topic about Marvel too, because that was one of the first games that I kind of really cut my teeth on, in terms of like doing combos efficiently and stuff. But um, the thing about that is they have played each other so much, and they know each other's gameplay style so much. And in Marvel 2, you're all using iterations of a very similar team composition. So it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if you know this, too, just as a side note. They have been doing um, old-school Marvel 2 tournaments, but they do them where they ban a certain amount of characters. So you're forced to use the lower-tier characters and see what team compositions you can make with it. It turns the game on its head, and it makes it really, really interesting. There's one in New York City. I think Yeah, I think they have one coming up. Um, I think Matrix is hosting it. That's probable. Yeah, That's it's at the end of the month of February. Just the winner of it plays just one. Interesting. Yeah, the okay. winner of the whole thing plays. Just, I think I don't know if you get the thousand. It's a thousand dollar cash prize. I think you get it if you win, not if you beat Justin. Not if you, okay, I think just so beating just playing Justin. Justin's is like, the final boss. Pretty he's, much, he's, he's the like, Shinakuma of that of that tournament. Okay, right. He's like the That's secret cool. boss. I like that. Um. So, for your for your content, did you get any inspiration from anybody or any? particular streamer particular youtuber um somebody stand out was like oh i like what they're doing i kind of want to mimic that for mine um to be honest it's kind of a mix um the two youtubers that i like the most for the fighting community is max maximilian um I, a lot of people I even talk to that don't really know fighting games kind of fringe they, they know him uh and then Corey gaming he makes insanely high quality uh almost like visual essays about fighting games uh, he covers like topics like salt being salty over over losing. You know, does your controller matter? Stuff like that. He has amazing content. Um, but the inspiration for me honestly came from the lack of content that I wanted to see and wanted to share, and more of an inspiration from like I mentioned before, like Sports Center. A uh, quick recap: you can kind of get your digest of what went on, things that you might have missed. Um, so for me, the inspiration kind of came from what I could add to the pool as opposed to what I see that I like that I wanted to do differently and put my own take on. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just kind of noticed, I was like, there's a gap there and I, I want to be able to share this gap, this, this information with people. So I just decided to start making it. So what are, what can we expect from some of your videos? So I'm, I'm, so I know you're not streaming as much as you were now. So I know, I know it's more about the YouTube content. Yes. So what, because I, I have in my, my question notes this video slash stream, so I don't want to keep going back and forward. <laughs> That's fair. I've so, been toying with the option of streaming again, but yeah. So I know for streaming, it's it's pretty much what's hot with fighting games. I know you did some Destiny, and you did Street Fighters, and Dragon Ball. What about your videos? So what are the themes that are we going to get? Are we going to get, and are we going to get top eight and eight again? Top yes. eight and eight. Yes, yeah. you are. Love top Absolutely. eight and eight. I saw we have some reviews. There's some uh, yes. obscure titles. I on there. yeah, I saw there's a, there's a there's a surprising amount of indie fighting games that you'll find like on Steam and things like that. Uh, I'm a big PC guy, uh, so the kind of the the indie scene gravitates more towards PC because you can develop, get something on the Steam marketplace, and a little bit easier than you can on you know the Xbox and PlayStation marketplaces. Um, but I wanted to review fight. There's there's two ideas that I had for this. Or there's a lot more than two ideas I have for this. But for reviews, there's two ideas. Reviewing the game when it comes out, um, how fun it is, you know, what's what's it similar to, how does it play to somebody that is, you know, and, and again, my my target demographic is players that want to get into fighting games, that want to take their knowledge and understanding of the game further, but are also kind of unsure. You know, there's 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 combo videos to end all combo videos out there. There's that high, high level stuff that when you want to really get deep into it, you're going to go and find those videos. Um, but I'm, I kind of feel like I, I want to be the person kind of at the gates going, hey, come on in. We got, we got some cool stuff you should check out. You know, that's kind of my, uh, the place that I, that I see myself. So for reviews, um, one thing that's important and it's a thing, it's a topic that I, that I see talked about a lot is 
after a game comes out, there's, you know, there's a lot of hype. So I want to cover the review and get in for the hype and kind of, you know, get in the energy of, of when a game comes out. Because for me, I usually buy games when they're on discount, but for fighting games, I'm buying them day one. Like, I want to support the developers. They're all a little bit smaller. You know, even something like Capcom, the fighting, you know, the fighting team on Capcom is smaller than the Resident Evil team or the Devil May Cry team and stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to review the games. But an additional thing that I don't see covered too often is... The games one year later, and I'm working on one from Mortal Kombat because we're about a, we're about two months away from its year, uh, its annual release or not its annual release. Sorry, the, the year that it's been out, and I wanted to cover what happened in the game's life cycle, like basically everything that's happened in the last year of the game's life, how well it's doing, how well it was received, what DLC came out for it, what patch notes changed it fundamentally. Is there more coming? Are they supporting the game? Are they doing more of a world tour? Where does the game fit into the FGC? So that's definitely going to be something that I'm working on that I don't see a lot of. Because a lot of people will like to just be in stream chat going, this game's dead. Or is, or, is this game dead? Should I buy this game? Hello? Is there anyone out there? I, you know, I looked at this spreadsheet and it told me that there's only you know, 2,000 people playing. Like, Is it worth my time? Should I be doing this, that, and the other thing? And I think that there's a lot of people that are willing to, you know, express how they're unhappy with a game. But generally, the people that are happily playing a game, they're usually not on forums talking about it. You know, some people are. I absolutely. Like, there absolutely are. But um, I feel like there's a, there's a missed connection there. And that's something that I wanted to do, was kind of bring that one year later. Like, what's going on with the game? Like, how's it doing? So Mortal Kombat not being at EVO... It's a sensitive topic. I'm definitely going to cover that in that video. I, I feel like that that requires its uh, an explanation in there. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, full disclosure, I'm definitely a fan of Mortal Kombat, uh, and I wish it was at Evo. But uh, but yeah, that's going to be one of the things that I'm touching on. Uh, additionally, aside from reviews, aside from top eights, um, and the content that I'm doing for top tier, I also wanted to do uh, a fundamentals, um, like a basic series. Uh, I did a video on the Joker uh, when he came out. I literally just grabbed the Joker. I went into training mode, and I was like, "What are his buttons like?" When you people talk, when people talk about like, are his pokes good or like, or are his buttons good? That just means when you press a button, not combo related. You know, is it a, you know, do they have good reach? Are they short? You know, are they kind of a stubbier character? Is it hard to get in with them? Like, what type? How does the character play? Because for a lot of people, they're buying the base game, or they're you know they got the base game when it was on Super Sale or whatever. And they go, oh, that character looks fun, but I don't know anything about them other than either the release trailer or seeing somebody play them at a high level. or you know. But seeing a player play a character at a high level won't always necessarily translate to, is this character good for me to learn as somebody who's trying to get into the game and just get better overall? So um, I made a series. Basically, I wanted to decide, I wanted to show, can I show you the basics of a character in five minutes? Because I feel like it's the right amount of time Sometimes people don't want to sit there for 10 minutes, like, trying to break down a character. Uh, and I feel like that kind of ties in with my whole theme of, like, getting new players to play fighting games. Right. Like, sitting there with, a t when you load up a 28-minute video going, all right, you know, cracks and knuckles, here's how you play Sub-Zero. Like, that's going to turn a lot of people away. That might turn me away, and I've been playing fighting games my whole life. You know, for somebody who's like, I just want to know if this character is good, and I'm going to my friend's house to play them, I want to have half a clue, you know, or something like that. I wanted to kind of bridge that gap. So for something like new characters when they come out, are you on a time crunch to get it out, like, while the hype's there? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I turned around the Joker video. I believe it was, like, 27 hours after the Joker launched. I, I got it out pretty quick, uh, and I got a pretty good response from it, too. Um, so getting the content out soon is definitely what you want. Absolutely. For a fighting game, uh, fortunately, you know, when... When a game comes out, you're kind of covering the game overall, and you you know fighting games usually launch with a more simple set of characters, and there's going to be a couple of complex ones. Um, but the more interesting part is that the DLC characters, I've I've started to notice a pattern. One, the DLC characters are typically a little bit stronger than the base roster, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that people want people to buy. You know, developers want people to buy the character. You know, it's a new character. You're not going to spend six bucks on a character that you're going to get beat by the base roster. Like, you want to flex on people. You want to feel strong. Um, but two, the, the, the DLC characters have a tendency to be a little bit more complicated in terms of, like, what stuff they have. So, getting them out in time is absolutely an important thing. I mean, this just reminded me, 
Remember back in the day, some of the arcade machines were on time release? Yes. So they had the characters in the code, yep. but they weren't released yet, yep. and they were released on a certain time? Yep, I do remember that. And then now, I don't know if you can like hack it back then. I think you could. You could if you could get the games in those, like, the debug modes, but that was that was pretty few and far between. But now it's all DLC and all paid, so... Yeah. Back then, you got what you got. You did. So what are some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to get where you are now? And um, and do you see any challenges? Can you foresee any challenges in the future as you get heavier and more involved and make more videos that you might have in the future? Uh, yeah, I mean, I still consider myself like I'm a very small content creator. Um, happy and lucky to be doing the stuff that I'm doing. But um, as far as challenges for the future, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to refine what exactly it's going to take to get people to play a fighting game that they would have otherwise not picked up because of complexity. Um, and I think the challenge is going to be how do I narrow down and decide, make the decisions on what content is worth spending the time producing versus what content is not necessarily worth spending the time on, you know, yeah. different things like that. Like what's the choices I would say are the harder thing. So what'd you have to overcome to just start? Because I know a lot of people, when they try, they're like, oh, they make YouTube videos. You think you could see, too, some people who have just started, they make a YouTube video, and it's like somebody's recording something on an iPhone. Yeah. But your yeah. stuff is a lot more uh, production to it. It's uh, a lot of editing, a lot of time, a lot of care. Thanks. But it didn't, you didn't get that way overnight. So, like, how did you, what were some of the obstacles that you had? Like, because so people listening who were like, oh, maybe I could try it, or maybe I could try streaming, but don't know what to do. It's not easy as just, you know, getting a, a camera and just turning it on and right. being like, oh, I'm going to stream. Right. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the easy part is the fact that I've worked professionally as a video editor and a visual effects editor. Um, so that background absolutely had something to do with the production value, which is one of the reasons why I decided to jump in and kind of throw my thing in. Um, but to be perfectly honest with you, there's people with a ton more views that don't have good production value um, that would benefit from it but are more so inclined to the fact that they've spent the time, they've narrowed in on a piece of content that they want to deliver, and they've, they've, they've launched it. They've done it. Um, a hurdle is, is, is probably going to be personal. Uh, I think I'm not alone in saying that. I don't like the sound of my own voice. So for me, it's like, uh, just make the video. Does it sound good? Like, the, the worst part is when you're like, okay, I've got to re-record that. So now I've got to go back to the drawing board with the thing in my mind going, that last thing I did sucked, and I need to make it good. And I already don't like the way my voice sounds, so now I've got to talk again, and I've got to make it better. But the more you do it, that, that just breaks away, and you just get over that, and it's just easy. And you get comfortable. Do it. My, my biggest thing is just start doing it. Your first thing is not going to be good. Just launch it. Just keep at it. If you like doing it, just keep at it. That's the most important thing. Because those, those rough edges are going to get smoothed out as you go on. So, as you keep going through this, where do you expect your channel to grow? Like, how? Where do you see in a couple of years from now? Uh, in the, honestly, in a couple of years now, if if I've inspired you know uh, any amount of people to go, hey, you convinced me to start playing fighting games, and I went to a tournament, uh, and I and I won against somebody, like I, not even win the tournament, like win a match in your pool, like I've, I've succeeded at that point. I just want people to go because it's it's so fun. It's it's such a great experience that I've had coming from arcades, playing with the Game Pro magazine, creating content, going to tournaments. The FGC is it can be anywhere, and the internet's great for for bringing people together. But I I feel like at its core, the best of it is playing in person. You know, there's such a camaraderie and such an energy of playing with people. Even if it's just you convincing a buddy to go with you and to throw 50 bucks down, go play at your local tournament if you're near one, um, or whatever it may be, that's that's fun, and that's kind of what the FGC is all about. So I know the FGC is, is a niche group. It's not that big compared to other groups like... It's pretty uh, big, but it's it, I would say it is less... I'll cut that out. I would say that it's less easy to get into, if that makes sense. I, I would consider it almost less of a niche and more of a 
genre that's behind some closed doors. Okay. I was thinking more along sense. the lines. It does. I get it. I was thinking more along the lines. Like you look at League of Legends. Yeah. Or Fortnite, and at any given time, there's a quarter of a million people watching it. Yes, because or playing it, and like, I, and honestly, that's that is kind of again not to be a broken record, but that's the reason for my content is because the barrier to entry for Fortnite is literally owning any computer that's relatively modern, owning a PlayStation, owning an Xbox, a Switch, a phone. You can play Fortnite. You can do that stuff. If you have a PC and a mouse and a keyboard that functions reasonably well you can install League of Legends and play it. The barrier to entry for those games is so low that you're going to open up the door very, very wide to a lot of different players from all over the world. For fighting games, people are watching players do... in you know The things that they're typically seeing is something like Evo, where you're watching the best of the best do really complicated, really high-level things, and you're looking at people going, well... I can't imagine myself doing that. So why would I even start? You know, I used to mash at my college party. You know, what? I'd rather go and load up League of Legends because it's a you know it's a comfortable shoe. You know, it's accessible. Everybody plays it. It's easy. I don't have to spend too much time doing that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of that's a reason for me to make the content. It's a pushing a pushing driving force is to kind of show that it's not as hard and not as inaccessible, which I think definitely lends itself to why people consider it like a niche or like a smaller genre. Well, that's it's good that you say that because definitely need more people is always a good thing. Yes, and, of course. Uh seeing it grow and and seeing local tournaments get anywhere from, you know, over 100 plus people would be something great. I mean, I'm yeah. talking like like local local, not East Coast Road on local, like right. local local. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um so we touched on this in part 1. I said save it for this part. So this is what I'm talking about now. Yes. So where do you see the FGC, the community, and the the genres as a whole going in the future? And to go into a little bit more depth, what games, tournaments, etc. that are coming out that are going to change the landscape? So, and this is something that I that I actually really want to cover, like in in, in much more depth. But um, personally, I think that one of the important things for the genre to to prosper is finding a way to switch the tournament scene over from consoles to PCs. And it's not Ooh, for interesting. It's it kind of it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing. And there's the reason. And for those who don't know, the reason that fighting games are exclusively played on consoles is because it's easier to transport when you have you know tournament organizers and people setting everything up. Um, you know, throwing down a console and a monitor. You know, two players. You know, two seats. You could sit down. You could play your tournament sets. Um, you know, everybody needs to have the right you know controller or controller that runs like the tournament standard. For example, is PlayStation Four. Have a PlayStation 4 pad or an arcade stick that you know works on PlayStation. Um, the trouble with that, and the reason that I'm suggesting that the platform kind of make the shift over to PC is a couple of different reasons. The first is you're going to open yourself up to way more sponsorship than you have on console. For console tournaments, you have you know great companies like Astro, you have PlayStation themselves, you know Victrix, like the other the the sponsors that will sponsor that specific game. But there's other smaller like companies that might make RAM or might make a keyboard or different things that work on a PC that those sponsors you don't necessarily have access to if you're exclusively pitching for PS4. So you're opening, you would open yourself up to a ton more revenue, a lot more sponsorship, and you can then put that money back into the scene, making the tournaments better for the players, better for the organizers, everything as a whole. That's why when you see the production at the level that it is for League of Legends, it runs the games on PC. Like you have access to essentially every part manufacturer that makes a PC part available to you as a potential sponsor that you can work with. So that's a big thing for me. The other thing that's the the complicated part is the fighting games have typically a lot of them are Japanese and the Japanese ports to PC have been gaining in popularity and quality a lot which I give them a ton of credit for, but categorically, they've been either inferior ports or haven't run quite as well, or all it takes is for one player to bring in their Xbox One controller that they've spliced together with an adapter to plug it in to crash a PC, to then you have to download drivers for it and do all these other things. So the games themselves need to be coded to 
be receptive to playing on PC. And additionally, we need to just get to a place where, you know, arenas, there's a lot of esports arenas, especially on the West Coast, where you can just rent out an arena and go, hey, there's these PCs that are there. And then you can then go, okay, well, we can just, you know, our crew can just install the game instead of carting around consoles and doing all this other stuff. Monitors are there. The PCs are there. All we need is the players and a little bit of prep time. So for me, the PC scene, I think, is the future and the gateway to increasing the FGC as a whole. Another thing, too, is that a lot more people have PCs than they do have consoles. As popular and as simple as consoles are, a lot that many more people have a computer that they can install a game on and get started with. Um, which is a segue to my third opinion on how this goes, and this was the thing that you wanted me to, uh, to save for later. Um, and that is, I think Riot Games has the opportunity to flip the FGC on its head uh, and take it by storm. Um, a few years ago, there was a game called Rising Thunder, which was kind of like an indie fighting game. Uh, had simple controls. You didn't need to do a Shoryuken input, which for those who don't know, it's kind of like the Z input, uh, the rising uppercut. I believe it was a down-down and a punch button for that. Very, um, very... The, the Z input is very intimidating to do for new people. I, I get it, totally get it. I, being one of them, was like, huh? Like, how do you do a Z input? <laughs> but then I learned, you showed me the shortcut, which yes. is like tap, tap. Tap the corners yeah. twice. Cause and it, then it, that read, does it. You get credit for both the forward and the down directionals. Yeah. Um, but Riot Games purchased that game. So production ceased on that. Uh, belonged to Riot Games. In addition with um, the two brothers that helped co-found the Evo series they were reported to be working with Riot on a fighting game. So with Riot buying Rising Thunder and the Cannon Brothers rumored to be part of that, uh, the FGC was kind of waiting to be like, is, is, are we going to see another game? Like, are we going to see a League of Legends fighting game? Because League of Legends is a tremendous game with a ton of money poured in, uh, a huge eSport on top of that. Are we going to see a League of Legends fighting game? And a couple years went by, and I believe it was last year at Evo when they were doing their panels, because they, they do have panels there. Uh, I believe they made the official announcement, kind of just didn't make a ton of buzz, but they were announced that, like, yes, we're making a League of Legends fighting game. I know later on, Riot announced the card game, the ability arena shooter, kind of like a quasi-Overwatch yeah. like Overwatch game, uh, and as well as like the fighting game. So for me, with the amount of money, the success, and the accessibility that League of Legends has... If even some of that effort and energy and budget goes into making an easy-to-play fighting game that has depth to its system, it needs to have depth because we've we've seen the proof in the pudding with Street Fighter V. When you lower the ceiling, you know, rather than lowering the skill ceiling, you need to raise the floor, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yep. We need to make the games more accessible to newcomers, but make them deep enough to where there's a lot of tech and a lot of things that can be discovered at its higher levels. And the reason why a lot of people are afraid, they're going, well, you know, new players are just going to get smashed by top players. Yes, they're going to. And they should, because the more skill and the more time that you spend in a game is going to translate to how your gameplay involves. But this is the big thing. In League of Legends, it doesn't matter that there's such a massive delta and a massive skill gap between the best players and the worst players. There's so many players playing that at any time, day or night, you can jump in, do your qualifying ranking matches, and the game's going to put you with players that are around your skill level. If you have enough players playing the game, if the game is accessible enough, the players that are bad can play with the bad players, the players that are a little bit less bad can play with those players, and the good players are going to play with the good players. And you're going to be able to work your way out of your, your rankings. You know, maybe, you'll, maybe you're terrible and you're just going to let things slip and you're going to derank. Maybe you'll stop playing, but there's going to be a bunch of players that get deranked, and they're going to go, wow, this sucks, but I think I can learn. I think I can get back up, and maybe I can even go forward. So when you open up the doors, like you kind of need multiple things to have happen. It's not going to hinge on one factor. It's going to be something that hinges on multiple. Um, and honestly, I think with the way that Capcom's been handling games recently, has been kind of, they've been, they've been sputtering for a little bit. I love Capcom. Um, but as far as the fighting game division, I can trace some of the uh, some of the the rough water back to um, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. 
when the DLC mm-hmm. characters were put on the disc and somebody data mined them and they were going to literally you had characters that were on your disc that they were going to sell you to unlock later. Uh, even you can even go back to Street Fighter 4 when they were like a year later they're going just kidding please buy Super Street Fighter 4 and then you'll be able to get DLC added on top of that and various other things. So it's it's been kind of a, a rough road. Capcom rode the ship a lot with Street Fighter 5 in the in the, the version of it that it is now. Um, I think the important part is all of like what Riot needs to do to really take the lead is to learn from all the mistakes and all the shortcomings of the FGC and look at what's needed and look at what's there and for them to fix those things and come out like gangbusters with a game that's accessible to everybody and that everybody can get into and learn and play. I I did talk to Matt and Ron on a previous episode uh, about you know, the future of like games, where it's going to go. And I know you and I talked about this in the past, but, um, I think the league of legends fighting game is going to light a fire under Capcom and street fighter six is going to be, I hope so. Like they're, they're going to be the, the main competition and they're going to put everything that they can into it to make it the best possible game. And then I think you're going to see tournaments like the Capcom cup, have more stakes, more dollars behind it, um, which in turn I think maybe and I know Tekken Seven is probably the best fighting game out right now. Um, Tekken Eight, you might get Soul Calibur Seven, Dragon Ball Fighter Z Two. Uh, well, that one I don't know, but Fight Dragon Ball is in a good spot. Marvel vs. Capcom, a true Marvel vs. Capcom Four. I honestly, I think before Marvel vs. Capcom Four, we might see Capcom vs. SNK Three. To be honest with you, there really? was there was a leak a little while ago. I think it was one of the voice actors from Devil May Cry. Uh, mentioned something about the next Capcom versus game looking awesome, um, and I think for a long time with SNK has been kind of back on the scene recently. They have a world tour going on with King of Fighters 14 as well as Samurai Showdown. So there's a top 16 Sam show. Sam show. There, there's a top 16 for each of those. There's a world tour. Uh, SNK. This is a crazy thing. They went back to Garu Mark of the Wolves, an old fighting game that was on Steam. It was on PS4. They changed the netcode in that game. Like, they actually changed the netcode of the game, a game that was announced, that was put out years ago. SNK is, is a company to watch, for sure. With the revamp of Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters 15 on the horizon, um, I think there's a chance that they partner with Capcom. And instead of... Maybe maybe Street Fighter Six is a little bit further into the horizon. I honestly... My bet, my, my Oracle vision, is Capcom vs. SNK 3. Uh, well, that's something I did not think of. I thought we'd get Street Fighter 6 or Marvel vs. Capcom. We will definitely get Street Fighter 6. There's no way that they're going to let their one of their most storied franchises drift into the sunset, especially with this kind of second renaissance of fighting games that's going on right now. They almost did before 4. They almost did before 4, but 4 was so good that they made 5, and they did Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and they kind of came out like gangbusters. I do do agree with you, though. Riot Games needs to light a fire under them. I think they will. Because the Capcom Cup is amazing. Like The Capcom Cup is a pinnacle event. It's just the unfortunate part is that the game itself has faltered. We've had the whole netcode debacle. We had a lot of different pieces. We had season three, two and three of Street Fighter V kind of making it where the top tiers were so top that it was really hard to, to pull out wins with other characters. But the game itself has settled on beyond that. Yes, there was a netcode debacle, um, but I honestly think they're in a good position now with the game. I wish the game had launched in a similar position to this. But there's no doubt that the Pro Tour itself, with the way that the production value is, and additionally, too, we have a, a, a seasonal split now in the in the Pro Tour 2020. We're going overseas to Paris for the first time for the Cup Finals. The, the, the Capcom Cup is a fantastic event. I just hope to see Capcom's actual fighting division realize how important Capcom fighters are to people and that they really kind of give it everything they've got. If pro wrestling has taught us anything, competition brings out the best. Absolutely, in the promotions. absolutely. That's when when people prefer one phone or one computer or the other. I'm like, you want the other to exist <laughs> and to do well because that means your product is better. And as a result, exactly. It always it always makes it better. Uh, look at the WWE post WCW. Exactly. All right, so we're winding down. This is the something fun we like to do with people we're interviewing. It's called lightning round to kind of get to know you more questions. Um, so, what is your thought, what are your thoughts on Denny's? <laughs> the restaurant? Yep. Denny's Rick, the Rick's restaurant. favorite diner. 
Uh, I could be polarizing this. Uh, it's trash. Can I go there? <laughs> yeah. Can I say it's trash? You can do whatever you want. Bottom tier. Um, I mean, like you know this. We live in New Jersey. You know. Actually, can I say that? Yeah. I'll come back to it. All right, I'll come back to it. You know, we're we're in New Jersey. Like, why would I go to Denny's when we have access to so many other diners? Like, there there's, there's so many diners. You know, as an option. Like, why why would I go to Denny's? Like, why would I ever find myself there? I think I've been to Denny's once. I think it was after we went Black Friday shopping that one time. It was. I got a Wii. Yeah, that was right. That's right. I got a Wii. Yeah, we were up that, for that's hours. yeah. That, that's the only time I've been at Denny's. I don't even remember what I ordered. I I might not have eaten anything. I might have just been so skewed out. <laughs> Denny's trash. Sorry to anybody that's a Denny's fan, but uh, you know. So Tyler loved Denny's. Perk hates Denny's. <laughs> All right, we're one and one. I don't. Even, how do you love Denny's? Denny's so good. Something about it. I don't know. I I can understand like loving the, the trash. Like I guess I played bottom two characters. Bad greasy food. It's delicious. Yeah, but you go to the diner and you're good though. You got better. I, I, you are. You you know some diners that are like not quality, but like pretty good food. Yeah, you like, could always get an omelet at a diner or a waffle, and you're good to go. I don't know about those people that get like the fish fish dinner, or, like not. the stuffed crab. And stuff. Those are no, those are aliens pretending. That's like the Men in Black stuff. <laughs> those are not. That's how you spot them. Nobody gets fish at the diner. All right. If you could be a character in any TV show, who would you be and why? Character in a TV show. <sighs> honest, 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 honest. Hot take. Um, I would be Clark Kent in Smallville. Oh. Interesting. Weird, weird take. Uh, I guess I've, I've always jived with the character of Superman, less for his like godlike powers, but uh, more for just more for just who he is. You know, he's an alien. He's he's one of us, but he's also not. Uh, and that show was just camping. It was just fun. It just seemed like it was just a good time. All right, and you got powers. You got powers too. You're Superman. What is your favorite movie? That's an easy one. Empire Strikes Back. I thought you were going to say Top Gun. Top Gun? I don't like to get too personal, so I don't want to talk about Top Gun. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, I love Top Gun for irrational reasons, but um, if, like, Gun to My Head, who is what's my favorite movie, and they would unlock a box, and it was like a true lie detector test, it's Empire Strikes Back. If I had to pick your top three, I would have put Top Gun, Empire, and Lord of the Rings. Oh, Lord of the Rings? That's an odd pick. I would play Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I do enjoy Lord of the Rings, but there's definitely some... You played the Lord of the Rings card game. I have that, played I have played the Decipher Lord of the Rings card game. That nobody knew how to play. That was a very complicated game. People, the creators didn't know how to play. Nobody they still didn't. knows how to play. I should stream Lord of the Rings card game. The I, Decipher game. I got two, I found two the starter decks at Five Below. Yeah? For five bucks. I bought them. I'll play. And they're still sealed. I'll play. And they're two different ones. That's so, good. Yeah, we should. That's good. The Urkai are mad strong in that game. Um... <laughs> why do I know that I do they're really good I don't know who you played you with. want it to be the fellowship because that's the thing with the Urukai are mega strong I don't know who you There's played no with because nobody played I've, I'm pretty sure I convinced Kyle to play people love uh, the Decipher Star Wars game the, the Decipher way. Star Wars game had like seven piles but it was mad fun the Wizards one I liked better the Wizards one was like was easier. perfect example of everything that I've been talking about about fighting games it was accessible Yeah, it was easy to understand it wasn't too crazy and it was doable if anybody listening has old Wizards of the Coast Star Wars cards, um, please send them away because <laughs> they're mad expensive on eBay. Are they really? Yeah, I have a bunch of boxes. A bo- sealed box of any of them is like five hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. Damn. And That's you can't crazy. even get like singles or looses. You can probably get singles, but you can't get like like lots. I was gonna say, I feel like it's yeah, actually, lots would be the easiest way to do it. A lot of those old card games are that makes sense. very expensive. That makes sense. Um, fast food of choice and one that you'll never go to. Could be anywhere fast in the food country, regionals count. Too, Can I say too. Wawa? Is that kind of fast food? I guess. It's fast. I'm ordering off a touchscreen. Sure. I guess if you wanted classical that like more people don't understand, I would go at Wendy's. Wendy's is the pick. Uh, Wendy's Wawa, okay. Wendy's and Wawa. If I, if I, that's an easy choice. Wawa is a magical place where you can get anything you want at any time, day or night. Uh, it's the best gas station food that you'll ever have. And you can order on your phone. It'll be there when you get there. It's just magic. It's 2020. It's perfect. But other than that, yeah, Wendy's is legit. One they'll never go to? They'll never go to? White Castle. Really? Yeah. Crave case at 11 o'clock at night. Dude, I've had, what, I've had White Castle on like three different occasions through life, and I've gotten sick on all of them. I, I think it's just my association with that. 
so fun fact and it's they don't make it anymore but it sold out instantly was a white castle scented candle wow that was real that was real i think i sent you the blockbuster one when i found that online yeah it was just like a meme but i know they did one for uh new, white new pack smell too real. They like, did a new packs? No, no, they, it was a meme. Oh like, my like, god, I was so, gonna go and buy stock. What we mean of new pack smell was when you open up a fresh pack of Magic the Gathering cards or whatever. Like it. It's it got the new pack smell to it. That's I guess what the factory must smell like. Whatever it was, just the the card stock and the gloss and the adhesive, probably the adhesive. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody made a joke candle with a new pack smell. It was the same Instant same buy. meme. It was, I was Instant like, buy. I would bought in a heartbeat. The, the White Castle one was real. That's wild. Um. All right. If you were stuck on an island and you happen to have a TV and electricity, what is one game you would pick to bring with you to play? Do I have internet or no internet? Uh, no internet. No internet. So okay. It's like CRT Condensed TV. You got CRT TV with some solar panels and. Is it was it one game or is it one game and the console, whatever console? And the console, on. one game and a console. Um, has to be the game. Has to be on that GameCube console. and the Wind Waker. Really? Yes. Wind Waker, Desert Island, you get to live out the fantasy of, you know, escaping the island, you know, and you, uh, it's a great game. There's a lot of depth to it. It's a lot of fun. It's like the most underrated Zelda game, in my opinion. A lot of people scoffed at it because of the graphics, but that game is a masterpiece. Zelda is one franchise I can never get into. I try every game and I can't. Can't. It's unfortunate. Can't do it. That's unfortunate. Zelda's fantastic. Furthest I got was Oracle of Seasons. That's such That's an oddball pick. Final boss. I liked it. Oracle. I mean, Oracle season is great. My first Zelda game was on Game Boy. The the predecessor to it, Link's Awakening. Uh, Fantastic. Gotta game. get the remake. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's good. Um, what podcast do you listen to? Podcast. I mean, Joe Rogan Experience. Obviously, that's that's uh that's a given. Uh, I'm a fan of Last Podcast on the Left. They talk about like horror stories and like the occult and like all sorts of like weird stuff like i don't know why they're so funny when they do it they kind of break the seriousness of it so it's like you're laughing with them because they're funny guys but then you're also like listening to like this like awful history i don't know something something about it is great but those are those are probably my two favorites okay and last question what is one thing from past pop culture that you'd like to see come back in popularity in full force wow popularity pop culture so is that is that considered like movies or like could be like movies trends clothing furby uh tv shows game anything something that was like hairstyles something that was like at time was like the it thing that you know faded into obscurity like most other things okay um but what would you like to see come back in full force Honestly, the experimental and weird cereals that you used to get from, like, the 90s. Wow. Like, Rice Krispie Treat cereal. Like, things that were, like, slightly, like, third... You almost feel like you're like, what is this third-party cereal that's going on here? But, like, when companies used to, like, try different stuff that was, like, weird, and you're like, what? Like, different weird flavors? You can bring that back. You know Dunkaroos comes back this summer? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Rice I'm ready for Dunkin' Rice. Rice Krispie Treat cereal. Rice Krispie Treat cereal. When you had the, the clumps together, masterpiece. Oreo had a cereal. Oreo had a cereal. You know, there was a lot of, there was, there was just a lot of, it was a free time. What? There was no restriction on cereal. There we weren't worried about fiber content. Power Rangers had a cereal. Power Rangers had a cereal. Every Everything had a cereal. Yes. What I liked, they did this recently, and this was like, first time in years since i've seen this was this the mario odyssey the mario series yes yes i remember i bought like a case yeah i still have them <laughs> they had the like the amiibo or there was like a yeah the amiibo the code that was in there yeah um but the that was the only time with like a theme cereal other than like the blueberry and count yes. chocula yes. and the the strawberry I'm a, guy. I'm a cereal connoisseur so anything that can expand my uh my roster of cereals that rice i can have crispy treats rice crispy treats cereal wow I think you, you, I don't remember when the last time was I saw that. It's been a long time. Probably. Probably. If anybody knows, or if you have Rice Krispie Treats cereal, like, I'm sure there's probably, like, some random grocery store in, like, somewhere in the country that has it, but. So, funny enough, um, some of the stuff sometimes maybe still sold in a certain part of the world. Mm. Just because it's discontinued here doesn't mean it's not in, like, Singapore. For sure. Like I I guess I just mean my uh, my availability to go into a 
grocery store. Oh, and buy it, yeah, you know? of course I know what you mean. But like sometimes it's like uh, like um, the M M&M, and M, the Crunch M M&M. and M. Yes. Oh God, what were they called? I know what you're talking about. I think about, it's just though. Crunch. It might have been. Uh, they it were sold. Been. Like they stopped making them here. They were sold in Australia. Really? Yes. Because I, I saw, I, I met some people from Mars. And I was like, what happened to the Crunch? You met people from Mars? Yeah. Was it Elon? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Jeff Bezos. He's from there? The, what's his name? Virgin Galactic, man? I, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> they, they, um, I know what you mean, they were like, yeah, we sell it in a, like a three pack in Australia only with a bunch of That's other random flavors. Wild. I was like, wow, they should really bring it back. And then, Years later, they, they did bring it back. We I have guess, it. We have it now. I guess it works in that market. That's insane. But we, we have it back. I guess it's selling well. And enough cool. people were asking about it. Yeah. So I'm all about the cereal. The cereal game is important. It's, you know, America runs on cereal. It does. And Denny's. My, my America does. And Denny's. I'm, well, sure. So, what, uh, anything, this is the moment, anything you want to plug, anything you want to shout out, uh... Where can, um, where can people find you? You can find me on literally every social media platform at Perk FGC, P-E-R-K FGC. Um, and, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, literally everything. I'm the same name across the board. Oh, one thing I did forget to ask. Yeah. Where did the name Perk come from? Perk came from Percolator, which was uh, the long form name that we, we joked about at the beginning. Uh, it was given to me by a friend, a Destiny clanmate, because I was obsessed with the perks that were in uh, Destiny, like on the weapons and yep. stuff. They're called perks, like different attributes that would change the functionality of uh, of the stuff. Um, and I was just so into the combinations of what what would work better, what synergized better with what. Um, they just start coming to the percolator. But I'm also obsessed with coffee, so a percolator is a type of coffee apparatus. Um, so it just kind of synergized and just stuck from there. And then when you're playing games with people, or if people see your name in a game, they're just like, "Yo, Perk over here, you know, doing this, you know." So it just it just kind of stuck from there. It's easy. It's, it's easy. easy. It's easy. It's short, and I have it on every platform. So if you want to find me, that's where I'm at. So give a follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube, Perk FGC. Thank you, yes, everybody, sir. for listening. Have a good night. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. All right.